funniest player on the team for me is Belly, and it's the way he delivers for real. It's like when he delivers his jokes, there's no laugh, and you really can't even tell if he's serious or not. We deserve this win, man. Fox Sports 5 flying high in Motown. Oh, my goodness. I'm feeling great, man. I'm feeling the best I've ever felt. I'm excited. I'm, I'm all about winning. I know that the fans here are extremely loyal and passionate. And just like them, I, I want to become not just a playoff team, but a sustained playoff team and eventually get back to some of that championship success and contention. With the 12th pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, the Sacramento Kings select Tyrese Halliburton. Imagine being one of those players that's on a team that you know hasn't been in the playoffs in over a decade, almost two decades, it's about a decade and a half, and then being the first team to actually get to the playoffs. Just being able to be a part of that would definitely be something special. And if we can, you know, end up building a championship contending team, you're winning a championship in Sacramento. Like that's that's looked at a lot differently. You probably feel better than you do with anything else. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez, and today we have a special guest joining the show. It's David Ragland, who has been a coach throughout various colleges since I want to say 2009, 2000, uh, about that point. Let me know if I'm right on that, David. But uh, thank you for joining the show, man. Um, mainly going to spend some time talking about Namish, or I'm sorry, Namish. You're educating me here yes, a little bit. Yes. <laughs> spent the last three years at Utah State and now you're headed over to Butler right. but thanks for joining the show David I appreciate you hopping yeah, on yeah no no problem thanks for having me on uh, I've been coaching since uh, 2004-2005 was the first year that I coached at a junior college uh, out in Texas and uh, after being at Frank Phillips for a year I went over to uh, Vincent University which is a junior college in Indiana uh, spent five seasons there and then in 2008 uh, nine, ten. Whenever I went to, uh, I started coaching Division One basketball, and the first place I was at was Indiana State. So, uh, yeah, but on this journey for, uh, uh, a, you know, quite some time. It's, it's uh, kind of crazy to think that I'm going into year uh, eighteen of, of coaching, but uh, appreciate you having me on, and definitely had an opportunity to coach some really good players. Um, and then be part of some team that I've got a lot on the floor. Yeah, totally. And, um, you know, you've been around a lot of guys and you're, like you're saying, going on 18 years. Um, and most recently, I, I want to talk about uh, Namiya Shikita, 39th overall selection for the Kings uh, this past year. And just when you first met Namish, um what was your general impressions you know like we'll get into him as a basketball player but like, <laughs> yeah. as a person what were your general impressions of Namish initially oh man uh Namish, man the more that people would get to know him um I would imagine him in the Sacramento area and um you know just uh, around the, the NBA uh he he well when he, we first got him he couldn't he didn't speak English very well um and he was just coming over. We got him right before school started. Uh, actually, the day that, that the week that school was starting is whenever he finally got to campus. So, uh, you know, he was uh, getting adjusted, uh, had a little bit of jet lag. And then, uh, you know, we, we kind of joked with him, calling him Bambi, um, you know, because he was just, you know, he, he was just trying to find his way, you know, his little – a little awkward, goofy, uh, running on the court, 
And again, you know, he's trying to pick up uh, his first time being in America is to pick up, you know, being Americanized, you know, how we do things here and, you know, the, the language and the language of basketball, and, you know, just everything was really, really new to him. But uh, he's very, he's very charismatic. Uh, he's, he's hilarious. He's really, really funny, has a good personality. Um, so, you know, and he's very adaptable. So, you know, he, he, he uh, he does well in crowds. He does well, you know, one-on-one, um, you know, very mature of him to be able to make that transition from being, you know, in, in Portugal to coming over here to the, the States and getting acclimated relatively quick. Uh, there in Logan, Utah. So, uh, great personality, easy to get along with, uh, fun, funny. And obviously, on the basketball side, you know, we'll, we'll get there, but, you know, great IQ and so on and so forth. And having to do that transition of learning a language at the same time of getting acclimated to a team and environment and uh, chasing a goal, you know, there's the whole, uh, he's the first NBA player to be drafted out of Portugal. Um, and I didn't realize this until, uh, after he was selected and I'm sure a lot of the Sacramento fan base has noticed a a whole lot of, uh, Portuguese fans all of a sudden becoming Kings fans because of this, um, from your experience, was that something that he was like really aware of and proud of, or was it just kind of, you know, how it is and and just go about his days no matter, was it something that you felt like was really proud of? Yeah, no, for sure. No, his whole, I mean, I think that was part of his goal, um, you know, in his journey was to be the very best that he could be, um, you know, being a pro at, you know, what level, you know, that was to be determined, but, you know, that the personality of our program, uh, you know, took on and, you know, Craig Smith did a great job of it and everybody else fell in line with it, but, uh, was, you know, let's be our very best every single day. And, you know, let's see if you can keep stacking days. Let's see what that that turns into. And, um, you know, that was one thing that, you know, uh, as a staff and, you know, um, Eric Peterson did a great job of, you know, getting in contact with some people that knew me before we did. And one thing that was pretty uh, relevant on film was he just got better every single time he saw him. You know, every every month you know, he, he was getting better. Every week he was getting better. Uh, you know, and, and I think after some time went on, you know, he did have a goal of, you know, I want to be a pro. Uh, I want to be in the NBA. And um, he knew, you know, he knows history of, of basketball. He knows the history of Portugal, you know, Portuguese basketball. And, you know, he knew what he was fighting for after that. But, you know, he – you worked at it, you know, you, you put the time in, you work at it, um, then you deserve what your what goals and what hopes and dreams that you're you're trying to attain. Um, so now he, after a while he did uh, have that as a goal and, you know, he just did a really good job of, you know, living in the moment and taking it day by day and just getting better every single day and, you know, turning, you know, one good practice into two and two into three and, you know, a week long and so on and so forth. But, um, yeah, he's he's aware and had a had a goal of doing that, and then um, it's happy to see that he he's achieved it. Yeah, absolutely, great accomplishment. I, I should have asked you at the beginning. There's a nickname here, right? I don't want to get this wrong. 
Oh, oh his nickname. Uh, so we call him Mimi. You know, it's just short for uh, Mimi-ish. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know where it came from. I, you know, I think he just, you know, we just started calling him that. You know, I, I don't know if he felt like it was maybe easier for people um, that didn't, you know, quite know how to say his name. Um, there's a good amount of individuals who have, you know, kind of butchered his name. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I think it was probably easier and, you know, it, it caught on and you know, everybody in the team, everybody in the program, everybody, you know, around Logan, Utah. And, you know, that's what it, 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 it stuck. Yeah, Mimi. Yeah, uh, makes sense. Um, and, you know, you had Kita at Utah State for three years. His first year coming in, he starts all 35 games right out the jump. For sure. um, first yeah. year, Namish, what is what are the skills that stand out to you right away? I mean, obviously ridiculous size and utilizing that, but what for is sure. uh, early, Namish, what are the first things that stand out to you? Yeah, you know, early just, you know, his length, you know, his, his length, his ability to be able to make multiple um you know, actions or, you know, multiple uh, effort moves and, you know, be, being able to get the one spot to the other. Um, but first off, you know, with his length and being able to, and his timing, you know, he was phenomenal out the gates, just blocking shots, uh, timing it up to where, you know, and I think, you know, one thing with the shot blockers, you know, the ones that are elite are ones that can block shots and keep them in play. Um, you know, and he was really, really good at his timing that way. And then offensively, uh, just his IQ. You know, we, you always think about playing through um, players, and usually they're guards. Uh, but, you know, Namish not only scored it pretty well on the post, but he passed extremely well out of the post. Uh, you know, so now on both ends of the floor, you know, he can be a threat. You know, he was a an anchor defensively because, you know, if anyone came in the bank, he was moving it. You know, he's blocking shots and, you know, leading our, our defense and offense. And we're getting layups, dunks, uh, transition threes because of it. And then offensively, you know, when we are running sets, we are able to get him touches. And, you know, if he's getting it at the elbow, he can go in the dribble handoffs and, you know, our guards are able to get downhill or, you know, he's on the block. And the double teams are coming, um, and he's able to pass out the shooters uh, from the block. So um, just very skilled, very poised, very high IQ, and and all stuff that translates, right? You know, um, you know blocking shots, rebounding, and you know, being able to pass and be be a threat in multiple ways offensively uh, just makes you harder to guard. Yeah, absolutely. I was really impressed with that that playmaking that you mentioned on offense, and I, I think some of the uh, overall decision making, like his his lateral movement at the on the perimeter for his size, has impressed me. Um, but yeah, I mean, outside of you know there were those strengths coming in freshman year, and obviously skills that I'm sure kept being developed. Um, but what were things coming in that you I guys had identified as you know areas of improvement that uh, did happen over time with Nami or that you still feel like need to need to come. Yeah, no, um, you know, the number one thing was strength. You know, we knew he was long, good athlete, um, you know, good shot blocking ability, good IQ, all those things. But just 
you know, getting some strength, getting some size on him. Um, now that coming from where he's coming from in Portugal, you know, not having a whole lot, you know, growing up, um, you know, probably didn't have the, the, the nutrition side of things probably wasn't, uh, you know, afforded to him like he needed it to, to be to come into college is, you know, body ready. Um, but I would say that's a jump that he made from, you know, whenever the pandemic hit, you know, we were supposed to be going into the NCAA tournament, weren't able to make it into it. Uh, he didn't end up going home because he didn't want to get stuck in Portugal. So he ended up staying, you know, that summer and he was able to, to work out and, you know, get his base um, stronger and pick up more weight that he was able to, to keep. Uh, so I, I, that was one thing. And then the other part was, you know, just his, his ability to shoot uh, 10 to 12, 15 feet out um, and his ability to, to make free throws. You know, he was, you know, getting fouled at, at a good rate, you know, from his freshman year, sophomore, junior year, where you got to capitalize on those. If you're not you know, making your layup when you're getting fouled, now you're going, you know, 50% from the free throw line, that's a problem. You know, but if you're making your, you're strong enough to make your, your layup when you're getting fouled and then you're getting to the free throw line and you're making your shot, you know, now your percentages go up, your numbers go up, your efficiency goes up, and our team is better because of it. So uh, those are the two things, you know, just his, his body and his shooting ability. And I think he's, he's made strides, you know, during the, the pandemic. Um, you know, you think about everybody looks at it as a problem, and uh, if you really took the time to get better during it, um, that's what Benish did. You know, he just got better in those areas. Um, and, you know, he couldn't before, you know, his freshman year. He got here here late, right before he started school. You know, so he wasn't able to get get the strength or maybe focus on the shot, you know, like he wanted him to. And then his sec- going into his second year, uh, he went back home and played with his, his national team in Portugal, and he, he got injured. He injured his knee. Um, so that didn't allow him to, you know, get stronger or, uh, or really wasn't a shot. Um, so, you know, timing, preparation, all that stuff worked out in his favor during the pandemic, um, year and he was able to work on both. It makes a lot of sense that free throw percentage you're talking about freshman year. I see 56%, 67 sophomore up to 70%, um, on 4.8 attempts a game in that junior yeah. year, final year at Utah. Yeah, very, very clear progress there. And then um, it, it seemed like the post-up touches increased with each year as well. Uh, it looked like yeah. a big jump yeah. from freshman to sophomore year specifically. Um, and, and I want to ask you about this aspect of his game because, you know, it's something that I don't think he's going to typically be doing in the NBA. It's rare for guys right, to get a lot sure. of post-up touches, right? But I still think there's Absolutely. a lot of aspects of that game that still translate. Um, so yeah. can, can you break that down a little bit for me on what you think him having so many post-up opportunities at Utah State right. with them at the NBA level? Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, going into his freshman year, you know, we had Sam um, Merrill, who's, you know, was with the Bucks last year, just got traded to uh, the Memphis Grizzlies. And, you know, a player like that, he's averaging 20 points freshman, sophomore year, going into his junior year. You know, we were able to, uh, you know, we were going to play through Sam. And uh, as time went on and we we figured out, you know, what Namish could do, we we started to secondary, secondarily play through Namish. And then his sophomore year, a little bit more, 
And then, you know, obviously the junior year, it's, you know, hey, man, we're going to, we're going to feed this fellow the ball every single time. Um, you know, cause he's, he's a willing passer. Um, you know, I don't think he, you know, you look at his percentage from two point percentage, you know, he didn't take a whole bunch of bad shots. Um, and then when he did take shots, he was making them. Um, you know, so I think what translates is, you know, instead of him getting the ball on the block a whole lot, you know, he'll be able to, you know, five out, you know, going to dribble handoffs, going to pass, uh, follow the slips. Um, you know, he'll be able to make decisions on the perimeter, which we had him do even in, you know, more so probably this past season. But, uh, you know, we had him on the perimeter from the elbow and even from the top of the key kind of running the offense. You know? So we would play through Sam. We played through him. Um, a couple other guys on the team that he was able to, you know, dribble, uh, you know, dribble handoffs, uh, maybe uh, keepers uh, to get downhill, to get, you know, paint touches, to get uh, advantages and, you know, drive and kick the, the drift to the one more to, to make, make plays for our team um, that gave us an advantage and created easier opportunities for us offensively. Yeah, absolutely. Great touch around the rim, obviously, um, and, and showed that in those three years. Um, mm -hmm. Is there any other aspects of his game, and I, I know we've gone through a good handful, that you feel like are, or even his personality that would translate on court to his game that you feel like are understated or underappreciated? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, I, I guess that the best team that you're, you're a part of you know, are player-led teams. And, you know, a lot of times your, your coaches are going to obviously, you know, hey, here's, here's our culture, you know, implement our culture, practice it, we're going to preach it, we're going to emphasize it, you know, but you have to have buy-in buy from your, your players in order for it to really flourish. And if you watch Namish, I mean, he is the ultimate teammate, man. He's always high-fiving guys. He's always encouraging guys. I mean, that. The last game I remember watching the, uh, in this, the, you know, the summer league, you know, uh, them against the Celtics, you know, you, you hear him on the bench, you know, he's mic'd up, but that's him all the time. You know, he's not doing it for the cameras. He's not doing it for the microphone. You know, he is one of the biggest cheerleaders ever. You know, he's always engaged in the game. Um, he's always encouraging his teammates. Um, you know, he, he's vocal in a positive way. And I think, I think that embodies winning. Um, you know, you look at, you know, what we were able to do at Utah State. We did it because our players bought in and they did it. You know, you look at, you know, just the early start and what Sacramento was able to do. I think he's a big part of what you do. You know, I think he's a big part of the defense. You know, they had a lot of tips, deflections, steals, blocks that led to layups and dunks. And then, you know, playing for each other offensively. You can tell they were connected that way, you know. So if you you have players that do that, it's contagious. Uh, just like if you have players with bad attitudes and bad body language, that that stuff is contagious too, um, you know. But that's one thing that Mimi does that you know it's contagious in a good way, and you're going to get the best from him and then his teammates. And before you know it, you're winning a lot of games, cutting down nets, winning championships because guys are in it for one another.
Absolutely. The word we hear thrown around a lot this offseason for Sacramento, what they're trying to build is culture. Um, and it seems like absolutely. from what you're telling me and all the other reporting to me, it absolutely fits that. Same with Davion, no obviously. Um, yeah. Is there a couple or, or maybe one specific like NBA player that you felt like reminded you of Namiya or other, you know, older current that maybe it was like, right. look at, look at uh, this guy model your game after it, or that just, you saw For some sure. resemblance from. Um, I, I want to say early and I'm drawing a blank on the name. Uh, uh, shoot. I feel awful. Oh, he actually has a, a similar look to, uh, and I'm, I'm stuck right now, um, you know, because obviously you want to, you want to model your game after someone, but then you're going to take on your own identity because you right. are who you are. Uh, oh man, I feel awful. Uh, it, it'll come to me eventually. But, yeah, no worries. Uh, you know, just just a, you know, the type of post player that was. Um, you know, first off, use your abilities you already have, right? Which is, you know, he, he's really good defensively and he's really good uh, blocking shots and, and running the floor. Uh, you know, then how can you impact? How can you always impact the game? How, you know, how can you make yourself, you know, just, and, and this is a conversation I know you talked about with Sean a little bit, um, but the conversation that we had with Nimi that we all, you know, once we were, at Bowling Green, we have with Rashawn is there's always ways you, you can impact the game. And, you know, you know, defense, rebounding, energy, effort, uh, you know, your vocal, your communication, uh, those are all ways that you can impact the game. And that's, you know, just some of the things that we always, you know, express in Nimi and hey, do that. You know, there's a lot of lot of players in the NBA that that are on teams for a long time that do those things well. Like you know, people want consistency and want to know that they can count on you. What they can can count on, like um, what Hassan Adonis Hassan, you know, he's still with the Heat, you know, because of how he is culturally, um, you know. But guys like are. Uh, invaluable whenever you're you're able to do that night in and night out you know just be you know you can account you, you can you can be trusted to do your job yeah absolutely like the quote-unquote dirty work right especially as a big for man. sure um and yeah i mean let's let's talk about homes a little bit you coached homes our assistant coach for homes during his junior year final year at, at bowling green that's the only year you were with homes right Right, right. It, yeah, which is his senior year. Um, you know, he, he came to Bowling Green. Uh, he went to uh, a junior college for a year, and then he went to, uh, you know, then he went to Bowling Green, and, you know, uh, ended his career there. So his, his senior year, uh, you know, I was with Chris Jans at the time, took over the program. And, uh, yeah, Rashawn, man, he was, he was kind of the same. You know, he just – you know, some guys are special what they're special at. And, uh, you know, Sean's off the charts with his timing, shot blocking ability, very similar to the Mish where, you know, he's not only blocking shots, but he's keeping them in play, turning defense into offense. Um, you know, Rashawn at the time, I mean, shoot, he was hitting threes, 
a really good athlete, um, you know, body, college body ready, uh, which transitioned to NBA body. And, you know, I'll say from the summer that, uh, you know, we took over the program in the summer, you know, we saw that there was some ability there, but he just kept making strides, he kept making jumps. And uh, we remember one day going into practice in the fall is one of the early practices. And, um, you know, at, at the time we always did our normal routine, you know, we would uh, stretch, get on the jump rope, we'll run 22s, 33s, and then we would get the, the practice. Well, um, this particular practice, Rashawn, we got, got to our 22s. He took off. Like, he took off. He beat everybody. He could have lapped them if he wanted to. And he gets done with, with the first one. We're, we're all kind of coach staff looking at each other like, okay, that's a little different. Uh, he does it again. We're like, okay. Then we get to another part of our practice, and we, you know, it's a defensive part, and he's in a stance, and he's talking, and his push steps are – just off the charts, and we're all like, okay, like if this dude can do this every day, he's going to mess around and get his name called. And he was consistent. You know, I think, our, you know, it, it's all from the, the, the shoulders up, right? You know, I think a, a switch just went off that, hey, this is the end, and if I really want to make it, I want to make every day count. And, you know, he just he put that in his mind. He did it every single day. Um, you know, should have been player of the year that year, and I'm not taking away from the, the player that, that got it, um, but he got a concussion late in the season, and the past the last three to five games, he just wasn't himself. Um, but uh, no, it was it was great to see that trans transformation happen for Rashawn, and then you know getting a call to go to Portsmouth, and us talking to him about, hey man, this Portsmouth. It's like an all-star game. It's like, hey, you, you're not going to touch the ball. Like, just know that. But instead of getting frustrated, instead of getting getting down, just play. Play like your hair's on fire. Play hard. You know, just be energetic. Set screens, rebound. Um, you know, get offensive rebound, put backs. You know, just play with a lot of energy. And who knows? Uh, you know, it gets drafted by – 76ers he sits for a while but uh is you know when he got his opportunity to did well obviously finally got uh, traded to the uh, Sacramento and he's taking advantage of it you know now he's signed three contracts and a man's gonna be in the league for a good amount of time so now I'm, I'm happy for him you know he's, he's a good young man he's got a great family you know a spiritual background his family um you know his dad I uh, could talk for days, but you know, great, really great family. Um, him and his mom and, you know, his brother, you know, they're, they're all connected, tight with each other, very supportive with each other. Um, and I'm just, I'm proud of him, happy for him, proud of him. Yeah, I know the fan base absolutely loves Rashawn and are glad that he just mm-hmm. re-upped in Sacramento. Um, yeah, you talked about telling him, you know, he's probably not going to touch the ball in that game. Just go out there, give nonstop energy. I would guess you probably don't really have to tell him to give nonstop energy, right? That was kind of kind of the thing no, with Holmes. Or? No, it's, it's, yeah, no, no. I, I would say like when we first got the Bowling Green, I, I think it was, and he, he even said it. You know, one day we had a meeting with our upperclassmen, uh, a couple of seniors, uh, maybe two juniors, and that was one thing that Rashawn talked to those guys about 
is that he, you know, he, he made that switch mentally where he's like, look, I'm going to take advantage of every day and every play I'm going to give everything I, I have. You know, again, we weren't there before, so I don't know how much he did, didn't do that. But uh, for the moment, we coached him his senior year on to Port Smith. But, you know, it, it, sometimes it's hard whenever you're used to his role at Bowling Green for us. You know, we got him touches. We played through him. Uh, he knew he was going to get the ball. You know, I think a lot of times when, when you go into a situation where you're not and, and your your role drastically changes, uh, as a player, that could be frustrating. And, you know, us as coaches, we wanted to, you know, set him up for success and just preparing for no matter what, be who you are. Don't let – if the game changes, you don't. And, you know, that we just want to reiterate that. And, you know, the thing about it, man, he, he – at the end of the day, you know, whatever we put in front of him, he decided to embrace it. You know, so he embraced the fact that, you know, he was going to play hard, play hard nonstop and buy into that role. And now, now it's not even a question. You know, you're not thinking about it like that. That is the norm for Rashawn. And again, man, that's a decision he's made. And it's, you know, that, that, that's not an ability thing. You, you either make a decision to do or you don't. And, uh, he's done, a, he's done a great job with that. Absolutely. And, and Namia, she'll have Rashawn, Alex Len, Tristan Thompson, a lot of big men on this roster to For sure. kind of help mentor him and uh, and talk him into his eventual NBA role with all the skills totally there and everything. Um, but I can't thank you enough, David. Again, David Raglan, longtime assistant coach throughout uh, college basketball. Last three years at Utah State with Namia Shikita, uh, spent Rashawn Holmes senior year with him at Bowling Green. I can't thank you enough for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day. No, I really appreciate you having me. And uh, again, man, rooting those guys on and, you know, love. I'm, I'm now, you know, you talk about a Kings fan and, you know, guys kind of jumping on board, but definitely a Kings fan with Rashawn and, and Mimi being there and, uh, you know, wishing you guys nothing but the best. And if I can be of any uh, help down the road, just let me know. I will definitely let you know. Um, I'm sure the fan base is glad to have you and uh, all the other Portuguese Utah State fans, anything else on board as well. <laughs> For um, sure. And always great coverage going on at kingsherald.com. Uh, take a look at the Patreon to support local independent Kings coverage. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Kings Pulse podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Hear from us again next couple of days.